Aloha, this is Dr. Tiki, and my prescription for you is to listen to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give me witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. From a flooded valley of a distant solar system where nerf herders work in worse conditions than a galactic peacekeeper during a Cinco de Mayonezo protest, deep in the broadcasting facilities of Area 51, happy faux spring because it's only going to be here for a while. Welcome to TalkCast 345, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight with a chance of no tomorrow whatsoever, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, the rest of the gang. In the Peabody Time Tunnel, our technical radical, our button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdriving, sometimes violent virtuoso. Tonight in the Pet Depository section, it's Kriana. More violent than usual. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and we'll talk about that later, maybe. Or yeah. we won't. Maybe not. From the stacks of her quiet place in the Dank Dungeon's Public Literary Conservancy... Friend of cyborgs, dining with the lycanthropic elite, and rumored to have a secret quilting society among whose members might be a former cosmonaut as well as an astronaut. Please welcome Zombrarian. I got nothing this week. Really? Oh, that's a shame. A guy walks into a used CD shop and says, I just bought a Nintendo Switch. That's right, a freaking Nintendo Switch. Don't give me any of your Super Pong crap anymore. And at that point, you know, it's either Ralph Baer or our very own futurist and gamer, the guy who likes shiny stuff and isn't afraid to talk about it, Awake by Java. Yep, it's still Zelda this week. Wow, I'm how far along are you with that puppy? Well, you know, one of the things about a wide-open world RPG is there's really no ending. You know, there you could... At some point you, you just get tired of it and walk away. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe in Zelda, in a, because it's a Zelda game, there is an ending. But um, there's always kind of like places you can go to that you haven't seen before, and things. Yeah, that you well, can do. well, there's there's a there's a story ending, but the the great thing about this particular Zelda game is that um, there's so much to explore that you can just get lost. And you don't have to really worry about the um, the, the story at all. Um, you can just ignore the fact that the entire king- kingdom is under the rule of of uh, Calamity Ganon. And um, <laughs> melodramatic play- name much Calamity <laughs> Ganon. What is he out of a sl- oh, no. spaghetti western? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> You get you can spend your time playing around riding horses and finding the shooting horse. pistols, twirling lassos. Sorry, exactly. You're you know exactly right. all that Zelda stuff. 
all that Zelda stuff. How's Early Epona doing? Still alive? Back. Are you sure it's the same Epona? Uh, I <laughs> I did I did get Epona um, because you can get her in this game. But here's the deal: here's horses the die deal. in this game, and so there is absolutely no way I'm taking Epona out of the stable. No flipping way. I'm not going to have that kind of guilt on my hands. She's going to stay right where she is in the stable and go out for the occasional ride. And rot ride till she dies. <laughs> go for the occasional ride on Hyrule Field and, and, and never come close to a guardian. No way. Just keep her safe. So, She's had a hard enough life. So let me ask you a question about this uh, iteration of Zelda. Is yeah, this absolutely. your basic, when you're dead, you're dead and there's nothing you, you don't, you can't that, bring characters That's called a life? roguelike, FYI. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. Thanks for telling me. Well, that's what I'm here for, apparently. Okay. One of the things you're here for, yeah. So is that part of this gaming experience? Is it a roguelike, Java? Uh, no. No, so, I mean, you could take him out of the stable and let him die hundreds of times and just get him right oh, back. Oh, I'm sorry. The horses die like that. Oh, well, the horses die like that. No saves but coming for you, then. You don't die like that. You can't actually resurrect a horse, but you have to go to uh, the 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 horse god, um, and and buy buy the um, the horse's life back. So, okay. <laughs> so, how many weeks has this been now? Like almost a month. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it, it's been all of. Two weeks, three weeks, three weeks this Friday, almost a month. Or this third, yeah, and uh, and uh, I have already put in sixty hours. So okay, and you figure that, that it's time well spent at this point. That's that's my life now. Okay, cool. It's just more. Zelda. So the hell with the kids, the hell with work. Uh, it's uh, Zelda twenty four seven. That's right. Good job. <laughs> Our guest tonight came to us in a most interesting way. Let me explain to you what happened. In TalkCast 341, which was Stacy Longo, Rob Smales, and Tony Tremblay, we got to talking about their book, Triplicity, and all the stuff that was going on uh, with their book. And Rob happened to mention that there was this place called The Weird horror reading event held at the Coto Grill in Salem, Massachusetts, run by a guy by the name of Curtis Lawson. We should really get him on at one point. Oddly enough, Curtis, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Well, you say that now, but we, we just got started. That may not have stayed for too much longer. <laughs> Fair um, enough. <laughs> Now, I mean, it's kind of de rigueur for uh, a horror writer, if they're going to live somewhere in Massachusetts, that they live in Salem. Yeah, it's pretty convenient as far as branding goes. <laughs> <laughs> How did you end up there? Um, basically, I was, you know, my wife and I were looking to buy a house and everything in Massachusetts is ridiculously expensive and we could afford, you know, like, Chelsea or Salem or someplace way up north. So um, we went with Salem. 
and and it, it, there wasn't a conscious effort to go, hi, I'm a horror writer. This is perfect for no. me. No, it was it was just a happy accident. Um, but I'm very very happy to leverage that. <laughs> Although I will say there is um, a kind of like development esque area of Salem where it's like Gallows Hill Road and Witch Way and Witchcraft yep. Lane and Cauldron Court and the houses are all hideous but I kind of want to live there forever. <laughs> I understand. No. <laughs> They're all like split level raised ranches. It's it's sad but <laughs> yeah, I so apologize to anyone who really to... loves split level raised ranches. <laughs> You apologize to anybody who lives in that community at that point, but whatever. <laughs> no, because they have. They, it's worth it. They have the best street names in the world. I'm Imagine seriously thinking is, uh... about whether I'm willing to live in that kind of house for that street name. Well, there's there's and that there's, uh, witchcraft heights school as well. Yep. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got to tell you, my my. Fun tour in the House of the Seven Gables was claustrophobic as hell, but that's I can just that. me. Uh, it was very odd. So Salem has a rich and diverse history of the occult, or at least an unintentional history of the occult that they've uh, brought together. And, and here whale murder. Well, yeah, there's that too. <laughs> and here you are as a horror writer and you've got a couple of books out and you've been doing this for a while and then somehow you put something together called the weird horror reading events how did how did that come about um basically i had you know i had had my first novel out. i've been doing comics for years but i just put up my first novel at this point and i was trying to promote it and i was trying to find readings to do and i wasn't having any luck and, you know, before I was a writer, I played in underground music and stuff. So I've always been kind of a DIY guy. So I said, you know, what? I'm just going to put together my own readings. So I called Kodo and um, they, within an hour, I had the first reading set up. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, well, I should probably find people who actually want to read at this. Um, and, you know, all the authors I talked to were super responsive. Um, and it just, it just worked out. <laughs> I mean, who would think that an author actually wants to read his own stuff? Um, in, in front of, of people, absorbed. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like hearing and, myself talk. And it, and it's weird because it's a sushi bar. Yes, um, but they also they do a lot of um they do a lot of concerts for like underground music and stuff there, like punk shows and metal shows, goth nights and stuff like that. And um, a friend of mine had played there, and that's kind of why it came to mind. So how how many people are at these events? How many authors do you bring in? How long does it run? Yada, yada, yada. So they go from seven to nine. We do them on uh, Thursdays every couple months. And we usually have between six and seven authors. Everybody reads for about between 10 to 15 minutes. And the most of the events have been, have been pretty packed up, except, except for the last one. Um, but that was kind of in the middle of winter. Um, but a couple of times, the first two events, they had to bring out extra tables to seat everybody. 
Um, it was much more successful than I had anticipated. <laughs> and people sold some books. So, you know, people made a little bit of money. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So <clears throat> this is something you're planning to continue because we'd really like to come out to it and kind of be a part of one of these events. But this one in April is not going to make it for us for a, a number of reasons. So when when are the next ones coming out? Are we I'm planning hoping, that part actually? <laughs> I'm hoping for June 9th right now, um, mainly because it ties into the release date for my short story collection. And I'd like to debut it at Weird. So I'm hoping June 9th. Is, is that the uh, Sinister Swan song? Uh, Sinister Swan song is one of the stories that will be in there. Um, but Sinister Swan song was just a... Uh, if you saw it on Amazon, that's just the short story I released for 99 cents. There's another one, um, another short story on there called Pinocchio and the Black Pantheon. Yeah, I want to and talk about that one for a little bit. <laughs> but, right. so you, you have but both of those stories will be in there. Yeah, and both of those stories will be in there. Um, the collection is called Black Pantheons, and it's all supernatural horror centered around the idea that, you know, any gods or god that might exist is malevolent rather than benevolent. Um, so it's all, you know, mortal beings going up against kind of evil supernatural forces and often coming up short. Yeah, your, your latest big book, your latest book, yeah, that works. Your latest book is, it's a bad, 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 bad world. Yeah. Uh, which is written by you. Uh, and, uh, the cover illustration was done by James Biggie. Uh, who, if yep. you ever go to uh, conventions, he's a staple there, and he's a wonderful yep. artist, and the, the cover is uh, spectacularly grotesque. <laughs> did a great yeah, job. Yeah, I've been a fan of his work for a while, so I was really happy to get him on to the cover of that. And then the cool thing is, is that it's kind of an illustrated novel in that there are little drawings just dropped in here and there for what you kind of think is no apparent reason, but actually a very apparent reason in the long run. Yeah, the, um, you know, the, the, I always enjoyed books with little illustrations at the beginning of each chapter. And when I was putting this together, I, um, you know, I was talking to some artists that I knew and trying to price it out. And then my wife said, Nope, you're over budget with editing and everything else. You can't put in the illustrations. I said, okay. So, I was talking to a friend of mine and he said, nobody pays me for my art anyways. I'll do it for free. So, um, so he did all those illustrations in there for me as a favor. Um, and I thought they came out really well. And it, I think it adds to the book a lot. Um, oh, it absolutely does. And, you know, yeah. as I was reading the first couple of chapters, it's kind of like, why is this here? <laughs> and the more you get into that first couple of chapters, uh, you gain an understanding of the, the it's it's kind of dragging you along into the story and they're very well done quite frankly. Well thank you, yeah. I um yeah he did an excellent job with it and you know I'm very thankful. And I've been kind of disappointed like you know we've gotten I don't know like twenty four reviews or something on Amazon and uh, I think only one of them has mentioned the illustrations inside. So I sound disappointed that more people weren't excited about those. So I'm glad you were. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think any time that you can do something a little bit different to, to draw the reader in 
or do something a little bit to advance the story in a different way, uh, it works really well. Now, also, you started off, I guess, and I could be wrong here, but I believe you started off as a comic book writer. Yes, I did. Um, I did comics for about 10 years before I wrote my first novel. And what was the difference? What pushed you into writing that first novel after writing comic books for 10 years? Um, money, essentially. I had, um, okay, that's fair. <laughs> I have about, about $4,000 worth of unused art and pitches and stuff on my hard drive. Um, <clears throat> you know, seven pages here for this that didn't get picked up seven pages here for an anthology that didn't pay any money. Um, so things like that. And I just, you know, I realized I was spending a lot of money on comics and not really getting much back uh, financially. So I said, oh, you know what, I'll try to write a, a novel because it's, it's cheaper. <laughs> Did you have this novel kind of floating around for a while or? Uh... Um, the first novel I wrote, The Devoured, um, it came to me pretty quickly. I had um, actually the idea for it first started from uh, an idea for a, a character in a tabletop RPG. And then I said, oh, you know what? I should write a, a comic about the, this guy. And then I said, I don't have money to write a comic about this guy. You know, I'll try to write a novel. Um, and the story, the story came about pretty quickly. Um, probably within a year of Starting it, it was at the publisher. So, and it's it's set. Uh, the devoured is set in the West in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, it's set. Um, it's set in the you know in the old West. It's, it's right after the Civil War ended, and it follows two characters. One of them is a a Confederate soldier who's trying to get basically went home and. Um, you know, he's kind of, you know, he lost his war and he lost all this stuff. So he just wants to get home and get back to his family. And his family has been taken by this demonic force. And his whole thing now is he just wants his son back. That's all he wants. And the other kind of story arc follows um, his son, essentially, um, a little bit earlier as he is trying to cope with a sick mother while his father is away at war and he gets involved in kind of dangerous occult things, and it escalates. Um, and then at the end, everything kind of ties together and meets up. So you're, you're writing in both comics and short stories and novels centers in the horror genre. Where did mm -hmm. you start to know that's where you wanted to be? How old um, were you when you, when you got there? You know, I as far as as far as in horror, I um I don't know because I have done other stuff, but the only thing that's ever really sold has been horror for me. It's the only thing anybody's really been interested in that I've done. Um, but I mean, I've always been in love with horror, going back to you know as far as back as I can remember. I was in love with slasher flicks, Freddy and Jason, and um, and then when I was a teenager through like death metal and black metal, I fell, you know, I, I found HP Lovecraft and, you know, got into weird fiction and stuff like that. And then Stephen King. And um, so horror has always been a huge part of my life. And I think, you know, even when I've written superhero stuff or sci-fi, it's always had a dark element to it. So it's, 
just kind of been a, a natural progression of, of what I write and what people have responded to. That That's kind of your sweet spot of where yeah. you feel most comfortable putting stuff together. Yep, absolutely. So what's, what's your writing routine like? Um, um, I'm pretty lucky right now. Um, my wife has recently gone back to work, and I'm doing the stay-at-home dad thing. So um, we homeschool my son. So in the morning, I get up early. I do an hour or two of writing. We do school. Um, I do housework. And then, you know, I'll try to do maybe like two or three more hours of writing in the night. You know, it works out pretty well. That's not, yeah, that, that does actually work out really well. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I get to spend time with my son that otherwise, I was before this, I was working a million hours. Um, I worked at a one job for like 17 years when I was, I was the manager there and I was working like 60, 70 hours a week. Oh, good um, Lord. And it paid really well, but, um, you know, any writing I got done at that point was done like on lunch breaks or on the train or um, things like that. So, you, And you yeah. have this kind of uh, affinity with the, uh, with the tea. You, you tend yes. to mention it over and over again. What, what's that all about? I, it's just, you know, I, I just grew up on it. When I was growing up, we never had a car. I just, you know, I took the tea everywhere. Um, even when I was in my 20s, I didn't get a car until I, until I had a kid. Um, when I was like, you know, 28 years old. And um, so I've always been, you know, a public transportation guy. And like, even now I hate driving. I'd rather, I'd rather take public transportation. And it's a, a love hate thing. Cause you, you know, it's, you meet interesting people and sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. Um, but I, I like the atmosphere of it. I just, I just feel comfortable there. And um, when I wrote bad world, that was, you know, I mentioned the team there a bunch because most of that book was written at North station. So, yeah, you mentioned that repeatedly. So you're kind of more yeah. a city guy than, than a rural kind of guy. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're comfortable sitting on, on, on the coast there in Salem uh, with the witch museums and, and that, that whole kind of, outer coating of touristness, but there's an undercurrent in the city as well. Yeah, you know, Salem's, Salem's a cool town. There's a lot going on. There's restaurants. You can you can walk just about anywhere. Um, you can still get into Boston pretty easily. Um, you know, there's a nightlife. There's things to do here. So it's, it's not like you're stuck out in the middle of nowhere where all the restaurants close at 7 p.m., So aside from these every month or so uh, readings at uh, at the sushi bar, which I love the idea of that. <laughs> I absolutely love the idea of that. Uh, how, do, how do you find uh, authors to come to that? Do you just call up guys you know or, hey, I've got a friend yeah, of a know, friend? It started off um, on Facebook. I'm part of this group called New England Horror Writers. and. Um, that's how I know, like, Rob Smales and Tony yes. What? We've yeah. never heard of those people. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the first weird, I just, um, I went on the New England Horror Writers thing on Facebook. And I said, I'm going to do a reading. Anybody want to read? And, you know, everybody wanted to read. So I had um, the first few booked up just from that. And then 
I know other guys from being in the Horror Writers Association and, um, you know, just people I've networked with over the years. Uh, and then a few people I just kind of hit up out of the blue because, you know, I just enjoy their stuff. So, and people have been pretty responsive. People like to read. I've had some pretty big names there. Um, Christopher Golden was there, James Moore, um, Douglas Wynn's going to be at the next one, Matthew Bartlett. Um, yeah, and uh, John McElveen was at the first one. So some pretty big names have come around. You know, it's it's funny, but uh, Christopher and I had a conversation once uh, when we were talking about horror, and I said, you know, in all the time that I've known you, I never really thought you were a horror writer. And he burst out laughing. He said, really? The whole Buffy universe <laughs> thing? And you never thought it was a horror writer? And I went, you know, but it just never dawned on me that that was horror. It was just really great storytelling. And that's yeah, kind it, of... No, there's, a, there's definitely a crossover of just pop culture and horror with Buffy, you know? Yeah. It's, it's very I, accessible for non-horror fans. Oh, absolutely was. But then again, I, I had uh, two girls who were both terribly well into it at the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, nope, just one. At the time. <laughs> at the yeah, time. I was going to say, time, you had one who could be into it and one who was like five years old. One who Way was still young, basically in diapers at the time. Right. <laughs> right. So on April 6th, which is a Thursday, at the Koto yeah. Sushi and Grill, 90 Washington Street in Salem. It's a whole full-blown ad at this point. Uh, <laughs> We're not there tonight, but we might no, be there tomorrow. We might. You never know. Be really cool if we could be. Uh, featuring uh, authors Douglas Wynn, Matthew Bartlett, Glenn Rolfe, Amber Newberry, Tony Tremblay, who was on, on the show last month, and Kevin Lewis, hosted by you. Yes. Wow. And are you going to do anything as well? I will be reading something, something short probably, but I'll be reading as well. It's the probably weird... Something short from Bad World. Very cool. It's the weird horror reading event. Uh, it sounds really cool. It sounds like something you should experience. It's really wonderful to hear writers... Do this or uh, Dome will judge you. That's <laughs> what I'm hearing. No. It's really cool to hear writers read their own stuff and then talk about it afterwards. And I'm assuming there's either a Q&A or everybody just hangs around and talks for a while afterwards as well. Yeah, there's no Q&A, but everybody just hangs around and talks. And um, we have a little section off to the side where people can sell books, and that's usually where... You know, the, the people who come to listen, go over and socialize with the authors um, afterwards or, you know, sometimes during while they're sitting there eating or drinking at the bar. That sounds Everybody like a horrible idea for a night. Just horrible. <laughs> sounds boring and no fun at all. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Curtis, thanks for joining us, man. It was, it was really a pleasure talking to you. Oh, it was a pleasure talking to you, you about your work. And, and this event uh, hosted either bi-monthly or whenever. Uh, we'll, put, we'll put a link up. That was an interesting noise. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put a link up to your Facebook page so that people can check in and see when the next one is going to be. 
Thank you so much, Curtis. Thank you. I appreciate it. Not a problem. And now, Kriana, it's time for the news. Anybody want to go with anything going on right now? Deafening Um, silence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well... I don't really know. I've, uh, a lot of people have been talking about Iron Fist. Yeah, a lot of people have been disappointed with it. Yeah, I haven't yeah, heard weird. one person yet say that it's good. Has anyone yet seen it? I've seen the first two episodes. Well, Less than although impressive. I did also see someone say that it would be a much better show if a Chinese girl came to Texas and returned to China years later, having learned the art of gunslinging. Which sounds like an amazing anime that I would totally watch. Right? I would watch yeah. that. Or it I sounds wouldn't. like I wouldn't the Kung Fu series if it was not David Carradine, but a female character. Well, and backwards. Yeah, absolutely. And it would be Iron Fist if Iron Fist were backwards. <laughs> so there's there's some wonderful rumors going on about uh, from the the production crew of uh, Doctor Who season ten saying they're going to have a bunch of longer story arcs in season ten, a whole lot of to be continued episodes, which I don't know if that's lazy or just they they don't want to do it in a single uh, episode, but. I hope they know what they're doing because it's his last season. I mean, they've done that before. Yeah, but they're saying it's it's going to include many more than usual. No, but they've done that before, haven't they? Didn't they do almost a whole season? Where there was an over over story arc over the entire season and smaller, yeah, stories within it. Yeah, kind of. I uh, could have sworn they did a shorter season that was just a bunch of two and three part episodes maybe Mm. i'm wrong crack well i mean there's always a a story arc for the whole season right right Right. there's always something there's sometimes multiple season story arcs but um i don't know I, i i'm just gonna wait and see it's been forever since i've seen doctor who i might not even like it anymore um you know, I, people are talking about the live-action Mulan because it it's not going to have any songs in it, much like right? the Cinderella version. Um, What's know, wrong really, with them? Well, you know, Cinderella was still good. Um, well, yeah, but I'll Make a Man Out of You is basically the only reason anyone watches I, I would argue it wasn't good. I, don't, I didn't really think it was a great movie either. Um, I think that it was, but I think that's because of my age, not not so much because of the movie. It's unfortunate, but you're probably probably spot on there. Yeah. The, the although fun fact, Mulan was the first. Uh, Shang was the first Disney character to have nipples. That is a fun fact. Isn't that a great fun fact? I watched a lot of Disney it's Channel when Mulan came out. Definitely fun. It's definitely a fact. Absolutely. 
um, that's pretty much all. Every, everybody's talking about Beauty and the Beast. They're talking about the Mulan thing recently. There, there's a bunch of like smaller news. Um, there's uh, oh uh, the Mummy remake. They're talking about that. Oh, good lord! Do we um, need to do that again? Well, I mean, yeah, because Tom Cruise hasn't had a chance to do it yet. So, what right. they're going to have Tom Cruise do it? Yeah. Goody, so another mad. thing that I don't have to care about. Um, That's another so thing mad. I don't have to care about. Quite frankly, I have met Boris Karloff, and you, sir, are no Boris Karloff. <laughs> Um, oh, there's a there's a teaser poster um, for the Dark Tower. Um, How exciting! Can you show it to the listeners of this podcast? Well, you can go check it out on Slashville. It's uh, <laughs> it's super it's super weird. Like I, I was not a fan of the Dark Tower. Um, I never read it actually, but my wife kind of you know bugged me about it until I read it, and and I read the first couple books, and and it was interesting. I could not get into it, but I mean, Matthew McConaughey is is in it, and Tom Taylor, uh, and like uh, Idris Elba, and, and so like there's there's a bunch of people in it that are interesting and good actors, and they can, could bring something to it. So well, that that always makes a good movie, doesn't it? No, it doesn't always make a good movie, it but infected. it does. But like for example, the last thing I saw Matthew McConaughey in was. Um, was True Detective, and he was fantastic in that. I didn't even know and he Idris was still Elba, alive. Idris Elba is is which I don't know that I'm saying that right. I've only seen it in print. Um, is Let's the gunslinger, and, and and he's fantastic. So it, it's going to be interesting. It's one of those those stories that kind of um, there, there's a like many Stephen King books. There there's a lot going on there, and there's not very much revealed. Um, so oh. it, it'll be even at the end. You still don't know what just happened. Okay. I have I have some really really cool news. Our good friend George O'Connor has finished his movie Healed, and it was accepted at the Philip K. Dick Film Festival in New York City. Yay! How cool is more. that? How cool is that? Because that's it's really perfect. Cool. And George, congratulations, my friend. Absolute congratulations, and and I hope you know based on the uh, on the trailer that we saw, which I thought was wonderful, that uh, the full movie just kind of slays them because uh, wow, congratulations! That's all I have to say is, and I think I said it like four times. Congratulations! And the movie is based on their comic books of the same name, correct? By George and Griffin, yes, healed. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a. Uh, it's a wonderful story. It's a very cool comic. And the trailer that I saw for the film was very honest to the comic. And there's there's a whole lot of films at the uh, PKD Festival. And they're one of them. And wow. He, he was kind of jumping for joy on Facebook this morning. He just got the, the notification, I think, today. Today being the day we recorded the show. The day we recorded the show. Not Saturday. So someday before Saturday, but after the previous Saturday. Saturday. A few days ago. Yes, when you're listening to this a few days ago. 
So congratulations four days ago. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. Hello, future people. (laughs) Good news, everybody. Anyway. Oh, Kai, speaking of good news, everybody, I was was going through some pictures of uh, previous conventions, and I came across Kriana and Drew's picture uh, biting Billy West's neck. Which he requested that we do, just to be clear, for the yeah. record. Yes. yes. 100%. Everything was consensual. It was absolutely consensual and damned funny. The pictures are hilarious. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. That, that well, was very, I just I'm sure everyone else is laughing along at these pictures as well. Well, I will, I will actually post that picture. That's, that's okay. Yeah. That's I know, but it'll be fun to do. Now you guys like Stranger Things, right? Yeah, it was all right. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it, it. it. It was quite the nostalgia trip, um, which was, was quite fun, the I guess. Something. Well, season two is due to release in October, actually, the end of October of, of 2017, and uh, they're starting to talk about uh, where the second season script is going to take. Here's a spoiler well, alert: not to Barb. <laughs> Barb. Barb is dead. Barb, Barb is, is so dead. dead. I was gonna say more dead than you can imagine. It was very nostalgic. The entirety if you were... of season two will be Barb's ghost wandering, wandering around, wondering why no one will talk to her. <laughs> one of the best parts about Stranger Things is that it's set in Indiana, and I live in Indiana, and it's exactly like Indiana. Okay. <laughs> Um, Something weird is going to happen. It's going to be in Indiana. There's a new series of uh, Philip K. Dick short stories that are being produced on a series uh, called Electric Dreams on Amazon. And uh, they're beginning to to talk about which ones are going to be there and what they're going to do. And it, it sure looks cool. But then again, I've got a thing for... Philip K. Dick stuff. I just absolutely love his work, but it's a whole other story. Uh, and the series is called Electric Dreams, which makes sense. So that looks kind of interesting. Oh, and the other thing, too, is that <clears throat> Jim Butcher, uh, guy who's been on the show, slash Jim Butcher, uh, is working on a new Dresden Files comic book series called Dresden Files Dogmen, and he's totally involved with the writing of it and has uh, control over the uh, graphics as well. And what they're showing for the kind of teaser graphics for it are pretty damn cool. So, you know, a new Dresden series is always appreciated, and I'm thinking this one should be wonderful. Of course, nobody else has anything about that. <laughs> well, you know, I'm so far behind on the Dresden Files. I don't, I don't even know what's going on anymore. So, that's, yeah. you know, that's that, that's in my summer plans. I definitely want to get back into that. But well, there you go, and I think you should. Hey, Kriana, you know who's on the show next week? Not a clue. Wait, me. Are Maybe. You, are you actually uh, planning on being here? Maybe. 
because Vivek Tiwari will be here as well. Oh, Vivek, yes. He's a blast. So he's, he's coming back for the hat trick. And uh, we're going to talk about all things Vivek. And if you're unaware of what that is, listen to the old podcasts because all things Vivek are pretty much all things cool. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Northeast Comic Con, booksandbooze.com, and comicarthouse.com. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're going to be a Super Mega Fest in April in New in Massachusetts, drop into a panel that Dome is going to be at. That's me. All about the exciting and lucrative world of podcasting. Yep. And if you have a free moment, take a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Our intro music was provided by Rob Watts. Find more of his creations on robwattsonline.com. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. That's the music you can hear right now. Check out their groups on lawrencemademecry.com. I want to thank Curtis Lawson for joining us tonight. Uh, check out the here to meetings at the sushi bar. It sounds like the coolest event ever, and we're definitely going to be there soon. Many thanks to the gang for joining us tonight from the Peabody Time Tunnel, the sweetheart of the soundboard, and the woman of words, Creona and Zombarian. Thank you, ladies. Yep. Back from the Thunderstone, and thanks for all the fish. Thank you, Java. Uh-huh. The fish thing actually had some relevance today. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie shared pain as lessons, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. I know.